0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajara Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into Extreme Wing Sports Grill here on Roosevelt Boulevard. We are here on another Friday, most, uh, well, a couple Fridays a month. That's when we come by here on Roosevelt Boulevard near NAS Jack. So come on out, we'll be here until 6 o'clock and uh, say hello. Busy weekend coming up. Uh, The TV screens will be filled with football, no doubt about it. And, uh, well, the restaurants will be as well. Four different locations for Extreme Wing Sports Grill uh, right here on Roosevelt Boulevard. Oceanway, of course, Kernan and Atlantic and in St. John's County off 210. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of that football. Do a little something different in the 5 o'clock hour. Football at 5 is going to feature uh, Kevin Sullivan, our Hall of Fame coach. It's the last night of the Blitz scoreboard show tonight at 9 o'clock. And we've got week two of the playoffs in Northeast Florida. So it's a big high school football night. And uh, one of the things we started this year is Committed to the Uncommitted. And Casey's been working on it. Coach's been working on it. I've been working on it. We're going to take you through uh, the dozen kids or so that we highlighted each and every Friday uh, and Committed to the Uncommitted presented by Baker Sports. And in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll give you updates on what those kids are doing and um, what kind of seasons they had. So that and a little bit more high school football talk coming up. So that's at 5 o'clock. We have our picks uh, on the way at 4.30 and uh, plenty uh, to get to in between all of that, including a lot of football. Uh, And, uh, boy, the New England Patriots looking very good last night. Austin Lane uh, not here once again today. He's in Houston. He's getting ready for his big fight Sunday. Uh, That will take place in Houston against Juan Adams. It's a big one uh, for Austin. So uh, a lot of positive thoughts with him, and hopefully he gets it done uh, in the cage on Sunday evening in houston follow us along on uh, social media and on the tv side on sunday we'll uh, hopefully be able to show you a little bit of that and show you W uh on his way back to the ufc we hope uh for austin land that's a big big fight uh for him weigh-in is tomorrow he doesn't have to worry about that though it's heavyweight division so the way in should be uh just fine but he will be outweighed in this fight coming up uh, once again, and he's experienced that a couple different times with mixed success uh, in his fighting career. Uh, Brett Martineau here, Casey Kurtz, back in the Action Sports Shack studios. You know what I find it very hard to do is break down an Austin Lane fight. Yeah. One, one reason is because, well, quite frankly, I don't know that much about MMA.
1: Well, yes. I've
0: learned a lot, uh, but I don't know that much. And so from a technical standpoint, an expert standpoint, I'm not your guy, most likely. Uh, But number two is, like, I really got to be careful what I say and how I say it. And, I mean, we only want one outcome here. So I don't even like to speak anything negatively into existence. I'm a positive guy by nature anyway, but especially in this situation. So uh, I find it hard to break down the fight.
1: Yeah. um, It doesn't matter. And the way I see it is I'm... Obviously, I only want it to go one way as well, and I don't care if he's outweighed, he's going to win the thing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can you can be a little more journalistic. I, I'm the producer, so I'm going to say what it is. He's going to win the fight. I'm excited to see it, but it is still a big fight for him, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it as we go. Is he going to join? He's not joining us for picks, right? Did he just send you the picks?
1: I don't have the picks yet, um, but I did send him the game, so I'm sure he's probably putting that into the algorithm and figuring out the uh, answers right now.
0: Yeah, maybe I'll reach out to him, see if he wants to jump on with the, the, the pick segment. Although, that might be tough because yeah, we can have two. Yeah, that's actually not time. a thing. So, maybe we'll just jump in and have him uh, join us a, a little bit later on. Anyway, uh, f- we'll we'll figure it out one way or another. Or maybe we'll just let him be and get focused. Maybe we let him be. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Um, anyway, in the meantime, you got... Brent and Casey, and a lot of it. Uh, how about the New England Patriots? Uh, you know, I didn't realize this until Ty texted me today from school. Uh, I don't know which class, but he texted me, and he's like, hey, did you could, because he shared the, tw- the three-hour, 28-minute uh, partial eclipse that I shared yesterday. Oh, and yeah. so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, Ty, I did that yesterday on the show. Thanks yeah. for listening. And uh, then he's like, yeah, but they won 25 to nothing. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that part. Oh, wow, that's a good, that's a good call. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> know, I mean, who wins twenty-five to nothing? Like, was that a score agami?
1: Uh, I haven't seen that it was, but it's twenty-five is a weird number for sure.
0: I, I mean, seriously, twenty-five like is it? It's beyond a weird number. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember the last time somebody won twenty-five had twenty-five points. I guess I've seen twenty-eight, twenty-five. I remember over the years, but twenty-five and then
1: nothing. I bet we had a. Some, I mean. I don't know what this would fall into other than weird stat, but back-to-back passes picked off by different quarterbacks on the same team.
0: Well, not only that, three different players were picked off yeah, in that game. That's right. And I think they said there were only two other times that I think that's happened. That the seems surprising. The last time, uh, what they say? It was it? the Chargers. It, not the last time, but the Chargers it happened to. Back when... Uh, Ryan Leaf played. Oh, okay. And oh, who was the other one? Moses Moreno played in that game. Wow. Yeah. And somebody somebody else, uh, I forget who started the game and got hurt. And then it happened like 10 years ago, I think, against the Jags for the Houston Texans.
1: Wow. That just seems like a thing that wouldn't happen. But I, I guess I'm wrong. I wasn't listening close enough to the broadcast. But it was just, it's a weird thing just in general. The score, the game, the whole thing was weird, Brent. And they didn't go over, so that was weird. Well, actually, oh, it wasn't, yeah. but I just... And you know, Atlanta didn't picking.
0: win, so I was way wrong on that. Yeah. They, I mean, Atlanta was disgusting to watch. Like, there are some games over the years where the Jags have been disgusting to watch. Like, it's like, you know, it's one thing to be bad, and then it's one thing to be gross. And, yeah. and there seriously have been those games. And uh, that was that game, if you're a Falcons fan. Like, it was starting to make me angry on social media, and I don't care about Atlanta at all. Yeah, you were tweeting. I saw your tweets. Yeah, but, like, it was just, like, ridiculous. It When football looks... Uh, by the way, the Patriots looked like... The, I'm sorry, the Jags looked like this in the first two drives against Indianapolis. The Jets in Indianapolis looked like this the way they ran the ball. When the NFL looks like a varsity team's playing a freshman team or a JV team, yeah. like, that's not the way the league is designed. And... I mean, the Patriots are okay, but they're not, like, the best defense that's ever existed. And the Atlanta Falcons got absolutely bullied around and pushed around last night. Like, it was gross to watch. And I know everybody's like, yeah, Matt Ryan has no time. Matt Ryan, I I get it. He also actually made a couple of nice throws. But the play that I couldn't believe, like, you have to know going to the line of scrimmage, one, your offensive line stinks. And two, it's third and one. Like, you can't take a sack there. Yeah. I don't care how bad fast they got to you like you've been playing in the league for 15 years and you can't escape an ant because you're so slow and you took a sack like it was awful sack by Matt Ryan again that the offensive line wasn't good but it was an awful sack and it led to them really being shut out because eventually they hit the field goal then missed the field goal after a penalty I mean that was supposed to be fourth and one from the 15 and turned into a 50-yard field goal that they missed and Matt Ryan was a big reason why
1: yeah and, and it—it's unfortunate if you're Atlanta because their kicker has been solid. He's been like the only solid part of their team for the last three years, and of course he misses uh, in prime time. So I guess that is what it is. But
0: yeah, he's been very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, Stuart Weber giving us some uh, historical lessons. Oh. Uh, between zero and sixty, <laughs> the only <laughs> shutouts that haven't happened are four to nothing, forty-six to nothing, and fifty to nothing.
1: Four would be tough.
0: Four would be really hard. That would be something. <laughs> like, so five happened? I mean,
1: it seems unlikely, but, I'll, I mean, field goal safety, like, I could see it, you know? I'm more confused on, like, seven.
0: I'm, a, I'm more concerned. Oh, well, about come on, seven can happen. I mean, listen, if you go way back, people didn't score. You go to a, a crazy, let's just say, a weather game, I could see that. Like, I'm more, you got to go to the prime numbers, okay? Like, five. Eleven. How did that happen? Like five and eleven happened.
1: Eleven. I don't know. By the way, when I said seven just now, it just now clicked to me that that's a touchdown and extra point. I was yeah, thinking a little too safe. I tried to rescue there. You're yeah, you did. Crazy that day. was horrible. Yeah. Um, eleven could happen. It, it's a two and a three, like a you know touchdown. Well, I know it's kind of like.
0: Yeah, it could happen in a bunch of different ways. Uh, but uh, listen, Weber, Weber's texting me. He's, he's texting me. Scorigami. I don't want to look it up. That's what Weber's there for right now. That's good. 11, by the way, 11 times it, a score is finished 25 to nothing. 11? 11. Oh, really? 11. That is an odd score. Yeah, that That doesn't. I mean, I
1: believe him. Don't get me wrong. It just seems weird.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's right there. Scoregami doesn't lie, apparently, because who the hell else would look that stuff up?
1: That is a good point.
0: Like, I, I always love those things. Like, uh,. You know, like some. Let's just say Tom Brady has fifty-two thousand three hundred and sixteen passing yards, or, and this isn't even a good example because you could look that one up by just adding up. Get a calculator out and add up his stats and make sure it's right. But my point being is, like, is anybody going to argue with that? Like, who's going back to recount it?
1: Yeah, probably. You know, nobody. like,
0: do you think he really threw for fifty-two thousand three hundred and seventy-nine yards? And by the way, I'm totally making that number up. Or do you think like? Maybe there was a box score wrong, like, in night in 2007, in September, in week three. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, like, it's definitely an option, <laughs> for sure. Like, I, I always love those things, like, Scorigami's like that. Like, who really is taking the time to go do it? Like, Elias Sports Bureau, has anybody ever said, no, you're wrong to them? Because <laughs> nobody else is looking them up. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like a... It's kind
1: of like you can do no wrong. If you're wrong, no one's going to call you out on it. And if you're not right, but people don't know you're wrong, you look like a hero for looking up all this crazy stuff and having all these answers. So it's, it's an, the stat game is an interesting game to be in.
0: I love the stat game, too. Um, I, I said that while we're on this goofy topic of whatever, you know, bothers us, I did tweet this last night, and this is really this really gets to me. If there's 20 seconds to go on the play clock and there's 208 to go on the game clock. And you're in the second quarter of the fourth quarter. And you haven't broken the huddle. Why do you go to the line to line up? Like you're never getting the snap off. Yeah. Like are you really that like not in tune as a quarterback or an offense to the clock and the time and score of the game that you I see this like 3 times a game I feel like between the quarter breaks and and I'm like, why would you make the 330-pound lineman even get in his stance? It's a good call. Yeah. It, I, that would bug the hell out of me if I was a right guard. Especially if you're at, like, home
1: when you should be able to know where the clock – like, not that maybe that's the issue, but at home you should never – I feel like if you're at home you should never have a problem with the clock because you know exactly where it is, if that makes sense. Like the play clock, yeah. you should be able to look at it right away. On the road, yeah, I mean, it's still bad, but, I mean, there's at least an excuse there. But if you're at home, you need to know where the play clock is. By the way – since we're on stats, J.C. Jackson Oof. is something else. 23 interceptions in 56 games in his career.
0: He's really good. It's nuts. He's really good. And I think he was hes a Florida guy, right? Played at Florida. And they might have, like, kicked him out or might have ch- changed schools. Yes, that's
1: correct. Yes.
0: Right? Yeah. I, th- I have that story right? And, you do uh, have that story right, yeah. And so I think he was a little bit one of those guys that was like, hey, you might want to might not want to take a risk on him, um, I, I believe. No, you, you're right. You're right. And, and so the Patriots find him, and he's a ball-hawking guy. I mean, he I don't know if he's shut down all the time. He's obviously developed into a very good player. There's a difference sometimes between shut down guys. Like, Jalen Ramsey's never going to lead the league in interceptions because he'll never throw it his way enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there are ball-hawking guys where, listen, Trevon Diggs is getting a lot of chances at interceptions because he was terrible last year. And so people throw the ball his way, and, well, now he's making plays on the football. Now, J.C. Jackson's a little bit of a, a combination of both now that he's had a nice, long career and been productive. He seems ball hawking, able to get the picks. They land in his lap. He goes and gets them, whatever it might be. just has, has that knack for it. And he's also very good. Like, you look at the numbers, the breakdowns, if you want to pro football focus or the completion percentage against them. Like, he's really good. Like, every yeah. year, every week now. So... Uh, What was kind of amazing to me is the guy that's been getting a lot of love from the Falcons is A.J. Terrell. Yeah. Uh, And Terrell, right? Terrell? Terrell, yep. Terrell. And uh, out of Clemson. And um, he has – his numbers have been excellent all year. Like, I think somebody said he hadn't – nobody's even had 30 yards receiving against him all season in a game. And he finally got his first pick last night. Like, he hadn't even had an interception yet. Usually you're that good, you're usually getting a pick or something. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was pretty uh, pretty wild. So That is,
1: that is interesting. Uh, J.C. Jackson, by the way, I love this part of football reference. If you, like, you can compare their careers to, like, other players and they kind of give you, like, a comparison that you would want to pick. His oh, really? right, His right now is Rod Woodson.
0: Wow. So, well, that's pretty darn good. Yeah.
1: Rod Woodson, by <laughs> the way, in his career, he averaged 0.3 interceptions per game he played. Right now, J.C. Jackson is 0.
0: 0.4. What is uh, J.C. Jackson? Where was he drafted?
1: That's a good question. I'll pull that up.
0: Um, I see all these corners playing well. And, like, I mean, C.J. Henderson, ninth overall. Like, what is Jags doing? C.J. Henderson, ninth overall. I mean, A.J. Terrell was in that draft, right? He was drafted, like, it late was, 20s or something?
1: He was undrafted, Brent.
0: Who? J.C. Jackson. Oh, I thought you meant Terrell. I was like, man. Uh, uh, J.C. Jackson was undrafted. Yeah. He's undrafted and being compared to Rod Woodson.
1: Yeah. What a world. A.J. Terrell was drafted
0: 16th. Yeah. Okay. So they spent. Okay. Was that the same draft as C.J. that was last year?
1: Yeah. 20. Okay.
0: So, all right. If you're going to draft a guy at nine overall, how about A.J. Terrell instead of C.J. Henderson? Yeah. And. I think... Or trade back to, like, 13 or 14 and go get A.J. Terrell. Like, what are we doing? And, by the way, the Falcons' defense stinks, and that guy's still playing well.
1: Yeah, and I didn't even know he was playing well, by the way. I think that when they drafted him at Atlanta, it was kind of like a what-are-you-doing type thing, kind of like when C.J. Henderson was drafted, I guess, nationally, I would say. Um, But I guess it worked out for one team, just not this one.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you never know. You know, it it brings me... I I thought of... um, I thought of CJ Henderson this week because when I was down Jag's headquarters and Urban Meyer was talking about Tyson Campbell. And do you remember you, you go through a lot of the sound. So you remember uh I we might we probably played it Wednesday, but Tyson Campbell uh and asked if he's playing better, all that stuff. Urban was like he's got a swag back. Yeah. Like he's walking in the I like the way he's walking down the halls in the building. You know, he's like you want your corners to be that guy, like you want them to be dogs. Right. I don't like – you don't want the shy corner. That's well, true. guess what they had? They had C.J. Henderson, who <laughs> really was the shy corner. And, and by the way, there's a lot going on with, with C.J., uh, and so that shyness could be for a variety of reasons. But you get my point. Like, I don't think he was this, like, you know, mega, you know, Dog kind of guy, even at Florida, like they couldn't judge that. If that's what you want in your corner, you want Jalen Ramsey more than you want this guy that's just going to play like, out of that position. Yeah. Now, listen, the Jags have actually had some success with that guy before. You know who was like that is AJ Boye. That's a good. Boye a good was pretty, He was a quiet guy. Like he was not your typical corner. Uh, but he also didn't have staying power and, of being elite. Yeah. He had a really good year and a couple of good years and made a lot of money because of it. But, I mean, A.J. is still playing in the league, right? But nobody talks about
1: him. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good comparison, actually, because even when I think the Jags signed him, I think a lot of people were like like they knew who he was but not really sure why. And it's because he's just solid. But, yeah, he wasn't in 2017 and, you know, onward, he wasn't the guy that was talking. That was Jalen's job, and he was just kind of on the other side making plays. So, yeah, I think that's a very fair comparison.
0: I I think it's interesting. Like, I've I've interviewed Tyson Campbell, I think only one time. And it's funny, when you interview him, I don't get the sense that he's like Jalen Ramsey kind of swag. I think he is a little bit more like Shaq Griffin kind of mentality. You know, has a chance to play with a lot of confidence, you know, chest puffed out, shoulders high, knows he's got superb athleticism. Uh, The problem with CJ – I'm sorry – uh, Tyson, is he just hadn't played that well. No. And so you can't walk around the building. So I i know exactly what Urban was talking about in terms of walking around the building with that confidence. And that's when Urban also said, hey, you can't be false confidence is the only thing worse than, than bad confidence. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how like a guy like Tyson matures, grows as he plays better football. And if we see a little bit more of that dog, if you will, come out of him from a visual standpoint. Like, we don't know these guys but sometimes you can tell it coming out on on a on the tv yeah and we have not seen that yet from cj uh, heck i even re- remember the run the touchdown run in cincinnati game for trevor yeah and and everybody reacted to the way he responded to that touchdown as like that guy's got some dogging
1: right yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. He,
0: he's got he's got some swagging from the quarterback position and, like, I'm saying we haven't seen that yet from Tyson. We don't know that just because he really hadn't made a big play. I mean, he, he played better the other day, but hadn't made that kind of play. So when he makes that kind of play, I'll be interested to see if he comes with a little bit of that as he gets more confidence, gets more mature in the league, and gets settled in in the league. Um, but I, I get what Urban's saying. You want your corner to be doing that. Uh, you don't really want your corner being the shy guy, not fist pumping, not jumping up and down, not talking trash.
1: Yeah, we need some emotion. Just something. Give us something.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I I'm a little surprised that might not even that alone didn't red flag the Jags on on a guy like C.J. Henderson. But uh, Jags missed uh, big in that one uh, back in 2020, and there are a lot of different ways they could have gone. Obviously, all right, uh, we got to get the break. We're at Extreme Wing Sports Grill, Roosevelt Boulevard near NAS. Jack's coming out beer until six o'clock. Uh, the Patriots are something. Mac Jones with another good performance. So I want to talk a little bit about the Patriots, and especially what they did this offseason in relation to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's coming up next on ESPN 690. We've all been around a long time, and that's, that is real, real. Uh, how do you get confidence everybody around you?
1: Let's no more drops, no more penalties. Be a little more accurate. Take care of them. Don't, don't let them get hit. That's the
0: only There's no secret uh, T-shirt we can give them or wristband or something like that. That's the only way to do it. That is Urban Meyer. They got to catch the football, and I, I think right now, Mister Trevor's going to play better. There's a lot of conversation this week, trying to dig in on that a little bit more. A lot of varying opinions of okay, what's the problem? Um, I think uh, a lot of opinions inside the building that the offensive line is not as big a problem as people are trying to make it out to be. I do think, uh, and you're going to get it, take a lot to get me off this. Trevor, I think saves them a bunch too, and and quarterbacks save offensive lines sacks all the time but i think he's really done a pretty good job in the pocket getting away from trouble and running the football but what does he do with his eyes see that's that's a little beyond my x's and o's <laughs> knowledge uh, and if you ask some people it's where do his eyes go like even on the last play when he fumbled if he drops his eyes and 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 or if he keeps his eyes up there's many who believe he could have hit like marvin jones over the middle uh, and didn't really have to escape it as much as he did at that time. Instead, dropped it and then ran, and then obviously didn't cover football enough. So uh, that was a small example of, of something that I've heard this week. So he has to play better, it's obvious. But I really think he just doesn't trust much, and that's a hard thing to be in uh, if you're the quarterback and you don't trust much. Now, he'll say he trusts them. Not like he doesn't like these guys. He knows these guys can make plays. But instinctually, just naturally, does he trust what's going on around him right now? And I think after the last few weeks, whether he's kind of put some of this on himself and brought some of it on himself, or it's guys dropping footballs, or it's the offensive line during critical times, or it's the lack of James Robinson, I think he doesn't know what to trust uh, a little bit. And that's happening, and even a little bit, is too much in the NFL because you've got to trust and let it go. Uh, and that is one thing I think people have been a little fair about is, listen, if you've you got to throw, if you got a one-on-one situation, even if there's not a lot of room, it's not, there's a difference between throwing it up for grabs, like he did at, on the one sideline play where he almost got picked, and there's another difference between just letting your guy go to make a play uh, or throwing him open. And I think he could do more of that, even though it doesn't look like guys are open, and I've been kind of barking up that tree quite a bit because I've watched it from up above, and it doesn't look like guys are open then throw him open, you know. And he's got the ability to do that. Uh, That's why he's the number one overall pick. And I've seen him do that already this year. But for whatever reason, he's a little hesitant about it. And I think a a lot of those early turnovers have maybe gotten in his mind that he doesn't want to make the mistake. Uh, And so there is a little reluctant to throw it. So, I mean, who really knows? Uh, They know inside the building with the conversations, and, and they watch it much closer and break it down and know what's supposed to happen on each play. But I think there's all of that going on. And uh, it would be nice if the Jags just figure out a, offensively a way to simplify things. Simplify, play faster, play better. Uh, and and that is like overly simplifying it. <laughs> but that's what the Jags have to do. Brent Martner from Extreme Wings Sports Grill here at Roosevelt Boulevard near NAS Jacks. Come on out here until 6 o'clock. Come on out all weekend long. Got college football big games tomorrow. Uh, and then you've got uh, all the NFL games on Sunday, of course, as well at Extreme Wings Sports Grill. Roosevelt Boulevard near NAS Jackson. That's where we're at. Four different locations. Ocean Way, Atlantic and Kernan, St. John's County off 210 as well. All right, uh, Casey, I want to bring you in for this a little bit. I I shared two articles with you this morning. And one had to do with what the Patriots did this offseason. And one had to do with what the Jaguars did this offseason when it comes to free agency. Mm Mm-hmm. And the moral of the story here is watching what the Patriots are doing. Uh, I think the Jaguars could have done everything the Patriots did.
1: Yes, I would agree.
0: And they chose not to.
1: Yeah. No. They did and you're you're right because obviously the money plays in and the Jags could have done that, but every guy I feel almost every guy because I don't remember Johnny Smith doing anything yesterday, but almost every guy that they spent money on that was in the article you sent me made a play last night that you remember made an impact to win that game, and it makes me sad.
0: <laughs> all right. So, what's interesting about the article? Uh, let's take the let's take the big ones. All right. Okay. Um, if you really look at what the Patriots did, well, we know what the Jags did first of all, right? The Jags spent some money, but they still have like the most money left over after March. Correct. Yes. So they had more money to spend. And you can always find money on trees in the NFL. Uh, they'll, they'll go into next year in a pretty good shape with the cap, and that's good too. But uh, the Jaguars went for the middle-of-the-road guys, like Marvin Jones gave him a decent deal. Shaq Griffin, three years, like 40 million. Rayshon Jenkins, it was like a $35 million deal. Those are good deals. They weren't bad. Uh, I think those players have done okay. You know, Marvin in the first handful of weeks, six weeks, I really thought was on pace to do exactly what he signed up for. Now he's fallen off the pace in a big time way. Like he's got a rally here in the last eight because he has fallen off with the way this offense has played and he has not done much the last three weeks. That's so it, it would be nice for Marvin to come alive. But if you really take the first five or six, I remember saying multiple times, hey, this is what you signed up for. That's what he did in Detroit three out of the last four years. That's what he's done in his career. And he was definitely on pace to... Be just about where he's been in some of his best years in Detroit. But yeah. now he's got to pick up the pace again. So, like, the Marvin Jones signing is not a bad signing. Um, it, it's an okay signing, in my opinion.
1: Agreed. And obviously, I think it was a little easier for him to put up the numbers that he was when he had DJ Chark on the other side. Granted, DJ True. wasn't putting up huge numbers, but just the respect that he got. And that's what I think we all anticipated. So, that's no shot at Marvin Jones, but. That's what we thought. We thought Marvin Jones was going to have opportunities because DJ Chark was the number one. Now, 1A, 1B was a conversation for sure. But I think early in the season, more of the respect went to DJ Chark. And now, with no DJ Chark and LaVisca Chanel not being able to produce all the attentions on Marvin Jones, as we talked about. So that's probably a reason for the drop off. But yeah, the first, when, the, when they were both out there, Marvin Jones was making plays without a doubt.
0: Yeah. And so the, you look at Shaq Griffin. I think he's played really well. I think he's played really well. Now, he could have two or three turnovers at least, and that would be, like, excellent out of him. But it's a pretty moderate deal, and I think he's doing a good job. Rayshawn Jenkins I think has been okay. I've heard there's some communication issues in the back end with Rayshawn, and and that's even part of the reason I think, like, Wingert's playing. I don't know how true that is, but that's what I've heard. And so, uh, you know, I think he's okay. I don't think he's like, wow. What a fine. Right. You know, every game he's not making a play uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then you had, like, Jihad Ward. I mean, he's way a small deal, all right? So, uh, like, I don't even think they thought that he would do that much for him. Roy Robertson-Harris, the last couple of games, now that he's healthy, has really come on. Yeah,
1: I've seen him but back then, there.
0: Yeah, that was, and and there's a lot of credit to Roy Robertson Harris for what he's done to help solidify that interior of the defensive line since he's been back. So I think you give him some credit, but again, two smaller samples, and I'm not sure he's impacting like the wins and losses in games. Where like Shaq Griffin, if he had come away with a couple of picks, could have probably impacted wins and losses so yeah, far. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like Marvin Jones, I think he impacted the win against Miami in a big way.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. And Shaq, I mean. Look, he's, I mean, we all know he's putting himself in position to make plays. He's just got to do it. And I trust that, look, he's been good in this league, and I think he's been good for the Jags. Like you said, he's going to come down with those eventually, but hopefully eventually turns into now.
0: And so, all right, so just some others. Uh, Agnew's been unbelievable for them, like much more than you can ask. Rudy Ford's been unbelievable, and those were, Rudy Ford especially, was a very moderate deal. I mean, they are getting a lot out of Rudy Ford uh, compared to what they paid him. And uh, I would say the same with Agnew. I mean, he's really been dynamic, and three of the best plays of the year have come from Agnew. <laughs> so okay. the, your only explosiveness has come from that. So I'm not here to tell you that the free agent class of the Jags has been bad. But the Patriots went and got two tight ends and paid pretty top dollar for them, and then went and got Matt Judon, and he is having a career year he's incredible. in New England. And by the way, that was like a I think it was a four-year, $54 million type of deal. Like, that's not break-the-bank kind of money. That's not like Calais Campbell kind of deal.
1: Yeah, four, it's in this article, four years, 54-and-a-half with $30 million guaranteed.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, they could have done that deal or tried to outbid the Patriots, both in that deal uh, for him and also for, like, a Hunter Henry, if they wanted to. Yeah. And they just chose not to or... Uh, again, depending on what you hear, did they miscalculate the free agent market? Yeah. Th- this is something that the Jags did, have not done in the past. They have not miscalculated the free agent market. They knew they had to overpay a little bit. That's how they got Calais Campbell. That's how they got A.J. Boye that year. Like, they overpaid a bit for those guys. At the time, they – well, I don't know about overpaid, because they didn't overpay for Calais Campbell. That's for damn sure. But they, they paid more than the other guys were willing. Sure. You know? And so that's what you got to do in free agency. I think the Jags misfired on the on the Johnson, the Cleveland safety, uh, a couple of the tight ends. I'm not sure they were going to get both, but I mean, when New England got both tight ends, we're like, holy cow, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> and to be honest, like I'd rather have John Who Smith. I think come really? in that. Well, if you take me back to March, okay, I would have I would have rather had Jonu Smith given Hunter Henry's injury history. And so I it was a little buyer beware on the the Hunter Henry stuff because he's been injured like his whole career.
1: He has. Uh, but he's but been John productive.
0: Smith to me was a little bit more of a sure thing and he could give you the blocking and the um and the receiving end. and by the way I think you'd been wrong because Hunter Henry w- is a better player right now for them.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I was a little confused this morning. I was listening to something and uh the I'm not going to give too much detail, but the host of the show said well Hunter Henry really hasn't been making an impact and I was I almost stopped my car. I was like what are you almost called in the show. What are you talking about? He scored seven touchdowns on 33 catches. He scored like six games in a row.
0: Yeah, he did. He scored like six games in a row.
1: He's the go-to guy for Mac Jones. He's the ultimate safety blanket, and having a guy like that for Trevor Lawrence, I guess Dan Arnold is turning into that, but having a Hunter Henry type, that would be nice. Yeah,
0: and so the crazy thing is here, Casey, I look at the Jags' class of free agency, and I'm like, you know, I don't think they did bad with the class. But I also don't know if this class is impacting W's and L's. And also, did they do enough to make Trevor comfortable early on in his career? Now I look at what the Patriots have done. Judon, you name the list, right? They spent like $163 million, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and and the tight ends have absolutely helped. Uh, they brought in Kendrick Bourne, whatever, right? I mean, he's a guy. Uh, and uh, somebody else they signed on. Nelson Aguilar. Nelson uh, Aguilar, and obviously had the touchdown last night. But you mix all of those together, and they, they gave four weapons on offense to whatever quarterback. By the way, this was before they knew they'd even get Mac Jones. So before whatever uh, quarterback they were going to bring in, they gave him four weapons. That's true. And, and, and they also drafted a running back, and he's played well. Uh, you know, obviously Barmore. He's dr- they drafted him. Jags picked three times before Matt Barmore was picked. Now one of them was Trevor, so you certainly weren't going to take Barmore there. But they picked ETN over Barmore, and they picked Tyson Campbell over Barmore. Yeah. And many people, like, are in the draft cycle, kind of projected Barmore to the Jags. And what it was the biggest weakness, maybe, on the defense in the first six weeks, the interior pass rush.
1: Yeah. Didn't like love the it then. Don't love it had now. Barmore. What's that? I said didn't didn't love him passing on him then. Don't love it now.
0: Yeah, I remember Barmore being high on my list, too. And I'm not, I, I think mostly because everybody kind of had him in that 25 category. Uh, and so knowing the Jags had 25 and 33, like, okay, well, if he slips to them, they could get him. And then all of a sudden people seem to stay away from Barmore. Patriots go get him, and he's a stud. Of course he is. Go figure. You know? So, uh, again, the, the Patriots, you got to make the case Patriots are better coached. Uh, well, yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, they got Bill Belichick's doing a great job. Uh, I saw a tweet today. I think it was from Dan Orlovsky or Field Yates or somebody said, they right now have the best overall draft pick that was drafted in Matt Jones. Agreed. And they have the best free agent pickup in Matt Judon. Also agree. And they also got to remember, they had like eight opt-outs last year that came back in. That and to go along with continuity at the coaching staff, continuity I think even on the offensive line a bit. And so – You put it all together and they've got seven wins and more to come and and more to come and uh really the biggest part of this story is they're making it easy on mac jones i mean listen atlanta's not good defensively but that was about as easy as a night as i've seen from a quarterback mac play mac made two really good plays one on third and five where he's under pressure and he threw it to i think myers and he made nice catch off the turf yep and then the next play he threw it to hunter henry in tight coverage, and then he threw the pick right after that. Mm-hmm. So he makes two really good plays, one bad play, and then he and he had a couple of bad throws uh, on, on convertible downs. And then I look – I tell you, if you go back and look at all his completions, I think there might have been one other time where it was contested. Like everything was wide open. Well, what does that tell you? One, they put enough of pieces around him – to get players wide open, and they're not like pro-bowl, all-pro players outside of, I mean, Hunter Henry and Jadon Smith are good, but Bourne and Aguilar are just guys. Absolutely. You know? And and so what does that really tell you? They're scheming it up. Yeah. Like, it t- last night was a clear indication of scheming up open guys. And the the biggest disservice right now, and this is where bevel it's hard to defend them he's got to scheme better stuff because I watched Mac Jones just play against there last night and looked like he was at practice. And these guys were running wide open or at least with not a defender within two, three yards of them.
1: Yeah, uh, agreed. And one thing the Patriots do really well as well is run the football. I think Damian Harris is pretty good. Stevenson is also good. But they don't run the ball better than the Jags, in my opinion. James Robinson is better than both of their backs and he can break tackles and do all these things. So when you have that as the Patriots and Jags do, the ability to run the ball well. One team can figure out how to scheme guys open, and one guy can't, to your point. we got to figure out how to do that. And I don't know if Daryl Bevel's the guy to figure that out because he obviously hasn't been able to yet, but he needs to figure it out quick because now the Patriots receivers, like you said, they're just guys. Our guys might be just guys too, but they're just guys are getting open.
0: Yeah, and, like, I don't think we can dismiss the fact that James Robinson being out hurts their run game so much. And, like, Carlos Hyde is in that uh, free agent class, and he's been okay for what they paid him and brought him in, but he's not the guy. And so when you lose James Robinson, again, they've got to figure it out, but a lot of this bad offense has come when James Robinson's been out. Uh, But from a schematic standpoint, I mean, I just watched it clear as day yesterday where Josh McDaniels just... Made things so easy. And, yes, the running game, the defense and special teams of the Patriots right now is arguably the best complementary football in the NFL. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're all playing well in all phases. The Jaguars have not had that. Their defense, when their offense was running the football, their defense wasn't playing well. Now their defense is playing well, they didn't have James Robinson. Their special teams has been so off and on. Like, great highlight moments and then big disappointments from kicks to block punts. And so they don't have all that other stuff. That, too, helps Mac Jones out. That helps the offensive coordinator out. But it is pretty obvious that running a crossing route a couple of times or scheming people open, uh, I don't know if you have to be as open as Nelson Aguilar was on the touchdown, but you can be as open as, like, the 18 other completions Mac threw. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's true. I I mean, those guys really, were really, really simple stuff. It felt like, and I think that Bevel's got to do a better job. I mean, that's what I came away last night. I was like, oh, I've defended Bevel at times, but I watched that. And that was all coaching. That is not a like unbelievable dynamic offense. The Jags got to be better. And it to help Trevor out more from a schematic standpoint, call and play standpoint. And by the way, I know Austin says like, Hey, Mac does a good job at the line of scrimmage. I didn't see Mac do much at the line of scrimmage last night. Yeah. I think they just snapped the ball, and he threw it where they designed the play to be.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yes, I agree with you, but maybe more of that was the Atlanta defense and not being able to figure out what was going on in general. But yeah, it was just kind of like a they knew what they were doing, they had the right plays called, and they executed.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if they can fix it Sunday against 49ers. More football talk coming up. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're live from Extreme Wing Sports Grill here on Roosevelt Boulevard. Welcome back to Extreme Wings Sports Grill. Fred Martin, O'Casey Kurtz. We're on Roosevelt Boulevard, four different locations for Extreme Wings. I got the teriyaki mediums I'm chowing down on during commercial breaks right now. Kind of like a Peyton Manning style in breaks.
1: Oh, okay. So you're not With really breathing.
0: Chip. No. That's that out. noise
1: I'm hearing through the speaker. Yeah,
0: you. breathe, baby. Breathe. Very good. Um, all right, let's finish up this conversation because I, I just watched the – I probably watched more of the Patriots last night than I've watched all year. Again, I always say this. I don't really watch, unless they're primetime games, I don't get a chance on Sundays to watch a lot of a lot of action in other teams. And Patriots are playing really good football right now. I, I, I think they're playing above their pay grade, to be honest. I don't think they're this good, but they're clicking uh, the schedules right. I mean, I think they've only beat one team with a winning record. If, if I'm not mistaken, but I mean, they thumped Cleveland last week. I mean, that was pretty impressive. They, they went out to the West coast and beat the chargers in this stretch. And yeah, they beat Houston a couple times. I'm sorry, Houston. They beat the jets a couple times. Um, and, and they beat like Atlanta last night. So I don't know if they're great, but there you have seven wins. The Jags have two wins and I'm not sure there's situations were that different going into the off season. Uh, and, uh, the Jags feel like they could have got some of these players, or put it together a little bit better around Trevor Lawrence, or maybe just scheme it better, like they do for Mac Jones. Like their offenses are not that different. You know, Hunter Henry and Who Smith are better than anybody the Jags have at tight end. Outside yeah. of that, are we? You know, their depth at running back is better. Outside of that, are the Patriots and Jags' offenses like that different? Um, I, I think the offense is very similar. Um, They're not defensively, I'm just talking offense. So, my point being, like, schematically wise, Josh McDaniels is getting it done. Uh, Daryl Bevel needs to do better.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Simple. And yeah, it, it, it is simple. I'm not going to make it any more difficult than it needs to be. <laughs> All
0: right, so there's another part of this that, that's interesting. Uh, if you go back to the article when the Patriots spent $163 million, I think this came out in like September, uh, The free agency can work, but it's hard to sustain uh, by spending that much money. You have the article up? I do. Give us some of the examples. And the Jags are one of these examples, by the way, in 2017. Yeah. But look at the win-loss record when they spent big bucks, uh, the examples they give in the article. And then later on, I'll give you the the second-year records of what happened. Uh, go ahead if you don't mind, Casey.
1: Yeah, so they, they highlight a couple teams. The Jags obviously won who were 10-6 in 2017. Uh, the 2016 Giants, who spent big money on defense, they were 11-5. and five. The Bears in 2018 were 12-4. and four. And I'm not really sure how this makes the article, but the 2019 Jets were 7-9. and nine. I don't know why they got... It included because they, they obviously got worse, but I don't know why seven and nine was being applauded in the first place. So we're going to get rid of them. Or we're just going to go with the twelve and four Bears, the ten and six Jags, and the eleven and five Giants in 16, 17, and eighteen.
0: Okay, and so if you look at those, that's recent history. Well, what happened is they couldn't sustain it. So in the Giants in two thousand sixteen, went from eleven and five to three and thirteen the next year. That's year two. Yeah. Uh, after the free agent sp- spending spree. The Jaguars, as we know, went from ten and six the AFC Championship to five and eleven in an utter disaster. Uh, the two thousand eighteen Bears slipped from twelve and four to eight and eight. And then I think they used the Jets as seven and nine because then they slipped to two and fourteen. Yeah. So bottom line is you might get a bump from this way of spending the way the Patriots did, but can you sustain it? The only thing that I like about it is it puts in mac jones in a good spot so it puts your young qb in a spot where Trevor doesn't feel like he's in as good a spot to succeed and trevor might not be playing as well as mac jones that might be part of it can't dismiss that but they are giving a lot of confidence to a guy like mac jones coming into the nfl and right now we're seeing i think a little bit of a lack of confidence and trust coming from a guy like trevor lawrence um, and maybe if the Jags had spent more money, that would be a little bit different, especially on the offensive side of the ball, especially on the tight end part of it. Um, or if they just scheme it up better and coach it up better. Uh, because it's either one of the two. They didn't add enough or they're not doing a good enough job coaching.
1: Right. What's or, interesting?
0: Trevor's just not as good. I mean, maybe that's it, too. We might find that out down the road.
1: Well, I don't want to do that yet. But what's <laughs> interesting about the Giants, Jags, and Bears and those stretches, and I guess the Jets included, but I don't have that example ready, Eli Manning, Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky. Do we do we look past
0: that part of it? Well, that's a good call. You shouldn't look past. That's a very good note. Yeah. Um, I think that is a good note. Uh, Eli, by the way, later in his career. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely, yeah. Uh, so that, that's a, that's a, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. Because
1: so, none um, of that money was spent on quarterbacks in any of those bills. Well, I guess yeah. Blake was after the fact, but you get the point.
0: Yeah, no, nah, it's a good call. Uh, what the crazy thing about the Jags is, yeah, Bortles played a role in it, and it was less about the guys that you spent money on just collapsing because Calais continued to play good football. Yeah. Really with the Jags was more gutted from the inside out because they couldn't keep the players that they had drafted and, and were trying to develop. Uh, yeah, guys exactly. like Jan and guys like Ramsey end up going away. Yeah. so And, and things start going sour. Uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, a very interesting study, though. Uh, just watching the Patriots versus the Jags and the, the free agency spend uh, and watch this on the trajectory now going for the next couple of years and how it will impact. Uh, both football teams. The one good thing about Jags they still have money to spend next year. <laughs> Patriots have a lot less probably of it. <laughs> that is true. Uh, it, that means they're not getting Devontae so Adams. We might. Uh maybe not. Maybe not. We'll be back. Uh we are live at Extreme Wing Sports Girl. Brett Martin no, oh, Casey Kurtz action support shacks on ESPN six ninety. <laughs>